Praise the Lord. I am honored and blessed to be a part of this webinar, and I want to especially thank Bishop James Davis, our beloved bishop, and our Episcopal supervisor, Mother Realist Davis, for the leadership that they have given to the 2nd Episcopal District throughout this pandemic. And I want to say a special word of thank you to Bishop Davis because these webinars have been powerful, impactful, uh, informative, and we just want to say thank you, Bishop Davis, for all that you have done to empower us. I dare say that God brought you to the 2nd Episcopal District, the nation's capital, for such a time as this. So we want to say thank you so much uh, to you and the leadership that you have provided, and we give the Lord's name all the honor, the praise, and the glory. I also want to thank Reverend Dr. Gwendolyn Boyd. Uh, Reverend Dr. Boyd, as we celebrate uh, Black History Month, is a black shero herself, and all of the work and ministry that she has done to facilitate the vision of um, Bishop Davis. And so these webinars are a blessing. I have to kind of give a, a, a shout out because this is my second time uh, doing a webinar. There's an old story about a, a uh, singer that was at the Apollo Theater and he was uh, singing and after his uh, show uh, was supposed to stop, the, everyone just started hollering encore, encore, encore. And so uh, he came out, did it again, encore, encore, encore. And then after that, he did a third number, encore, encore, encore. And then finally he said, how many times you want me to do it? And then someone from the balcony said, until you get it right. And so I thank the Lord that this is my second time doing this webinar. So hopefully this time I'll get it right. But Bishop Davis, I do just want to say thank you. And to all my brothers and sisters in the 2nd Episcopal District, I just give the Lord's name, the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that God has done through you to make sure that the Church of the Living God continue to be the church that God has called us to be. Uh, please let us go to God in a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we come tonight in the name of Jesus and we say thank you uh, for the leadership of Bishop Davis. We say thank you for all that he has guided us to and now guided us through and we say thank you that we're believing by faith that the best is yet to come. So on tonight, hide me behind your cross, speak to me and through me and we give your name the praise how we're believing that you will do signs, wonders and miracles on tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I have asked about uh, 30 or so members of our official board to come because some of what prayerfully will be taking place will be actually demonstration of the gift of the word of wisdom and the gifts of the word of knowledge. And so our focus tonight is uh, liberation theology, but we're kind of packing it in uh, to the whole concept of uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and also church growth and prayerfully seeing how all three of them combine and I'm praying that will be a blessing uh, to you. I'm going to be starting tonight really by giving more of a personal testimony, uh, giving a sense of my own journey and my wife's journey uh, in uh, ministry. And probably 20 uh, years ago I would not be comfortable in sharing in this way but as I've gotten older, I, I have more of a sense that I uh, want to be used by God uh, to share what he's allowed me to do to his honor, to his glory, in case anybody wants to glean from it. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would move in such a way on tonight that uh, from my own experiences, uh, from Pastor Joanne Browning's own experiences, that we'll be able to kind of be able to glean what God may have us to know on tonight. As we move into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it is a case by which uh, 
It was uh, at St. Paul AME Church in 1983. Uh, I had just graduated from Howard Divinity School and uh, Pastor Joanne and I had uh, moved back to the Washington, excuse me, to the New England area, Boston, Massachusetts, because we were hoping to um, get a church in the New England Annual Conference. Um, but no churches were available. I was doing odd jobs just to kind of make ends meet. And during the time I was doing these odd jobs, I would also be volunteering at St. Paul AME Church. And it was around this time that Pastor Joanne and now the late Alinda Kelly uh, were named co-chairs by Reverend Adams uh, for the woman's season. And uh, Linda Kelly had been in Detroit and she had seen an evangelist uh, by the name of, at that time, Coletta Harris. She's uh, Bishop Coletta Harris Vaughn now. And she came back, told Pastor Adels about what a phenomenal blessing it was, and Pastor Adels said, that's fine. And so Pastor Joanne and Linda Kelly put the revival together. And so uh, Reverend Adels had her to speak uh, during the uh, worship service on that Sunday. She shared what she was going to be doing, uh, night services, but at noontime she would have the Faith College of Bible Knowledge. And um, so she was very impressive giving her opening remarks. And then after church on that Sunday, uh, Reverend Dr. Herman Kelly and I went out to uh, eat. Bob DeShess, for anybody that knows anything about the Boston area, my own presiding elder, Ronald Braxton, a BU graduate, I know he knows a little bit about it. Um, and so we were talking. I had been married for about three years, uh, and he had, uh, was getting ready to be married to Linda Kelly. And so we were just talking about that, and we said, nah, we really don't want to go to the revival, all this Pentecostal stuff. She's a Pentecostal minister. We're educated. Herman was saying, I'm going to Boston University School of Divinity, School of Theology. And I was saying, I'm a graduate of Howard Divinity School. All this Pentecostal ignorant stuff, we don't need. But then because my wife was over uh, co-chair and Herman's fiance was co-chair, uh, we said we better go. So we went and uh, evangelist uh, Coletta Harris at that time was phenomenal. It was wonderful. And then she started talking about she was going to be moving into the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and so Herman and I were literally getting ready to leave and then she pointed to Herman and said uh, sir would you be so kind to come here and Herman looked around and he said me and she, he went up and then through the gift of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge she shared with Herman everything he and I had been talking about at Bob the Chef's and then she laid hands on Herman, and Herman fell out. And he was on the floor for about maybe uh, a minute and got up and came back to where we were sitting and said, Granger, this thing is real. <laughs> and so with that, uh, they had a uh, dinner, uh, or I should say a lunch, for Evangelist uh, Harris, now Vaughn, uh, at uh, one of the ministerial staff members' house. And so Pastor Joe and I went, and I just drilled her with all kinds of theological questions. I, it was like I had a theological uh, machine gun. And she liked that engagement. And so because of that, she kind of, uh, Pastor Joe and I kind of endeared her, uh, ourselves with her. And then uh, that night, again, they had a little reception for her. I drilled all kinds of theological questions because she didn't, at the time, have much, no formal seminary training at a, a seminary that Herman and I would appreciate. 
And so that Tuesday, I really think she just got tired of me asking all these questions. And so she just said, Granger, why is it I feel like I need to lay my hands on your stomach? And I was getting ready to say, because I have lactose intolerance and can't drink milk. But before you can even get it out, uh, I said, I have, and she hit me, uh, put her hands on my stomach and said, in the name of Jesus. And I fell back. I didn't fall out. I fell back. And uh, I felt my stomach all rumbling and turning. And then it was a case by which uh, we had uh, dinner and with the staff, and she said, uh, Granger, you going to have any ice cream tonight? I said, no, I can't eat ice cream because I have lactose intolerance. And she said, not anymore. <laughs> and so I had ice cream for the first time maybe in 15 years. And that's when I experienced for myself the healing power of God. And then that, uh, probably that Thursday uh, night, um, she uh, had me come up, and I forget for what reason it was, and laid hands on me, and that's when I fell out. And I came back to Herman, and I said, this thing is real. And then on that Friday, it was a case by which the revival was sweeping the Boston-Cambridge area. So it got to, so popular that Reverend Adams had to extend it for another week. And that second week, literally, if you weren't at the church by 7 o'clock, the revival started at 7.30, you could not get a seat. And so uh, during the day, she would teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then on that second week, on that Friday, uh, she actually led us into the baptism. And that's when Pastor Joanna and I were simultaneously baptized in the Holy Spirit through the evidence of speaking in tongues. And our life has never been the same since. And it was a case by which it was, it was just such a phenomenal experience and just the power of the Holy Spirit just kind of resided in us. And uh, she also, um, that evening, anointed all the members of uh, the ministerial staff at St. Paul and, and encouraged us to get and claim the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God had given to us. And so uh, I had no idea what the gifts might be. And we were going to be going to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are lifted up. And so uh, my grandfather, who at the time was probably about 80, was getting ready to have a cataract surgery. So I just said, Grandpa, uh, is it okay to lay hands on you? So I laid hands on my grandfather's, grandfather's forehead. He did not fall out. He was sitting down. And uh, he went to the doctor to be prepared for cataract surgery. He still had the surgery, but the doctor commented that that was the easiest cataract surgery that they ever had to do for a man that age. And so um, the next day, because my mother heard it, and she had been to the revival, she had high blood pressure and was getting ready to go to the doctor the next day. So I said, Mom, can I lay hands on you? So my mother probably was in her uh, mid-60s at the time. And so I laid hands on my mother, but no one was expecting her to fall out. And so she went like that, and we were all scattering to try and make sure that she didn't fall over because it really scared us more than anything. Uh, but my mother went to the hospital the next day, and blood pressure was gone. And so that kind of gave me a confidence in what it was that God was calling me to do. And about a month later, I was blessed to do a revival at Bethel Amy Church in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And I think the first night of the revival, there literally were about 10 persons. And so after finished preaching, I just asked persons, if you felt like uh, you have a healing need, please come up. And out of the 
10 or so persons, maybe about two or two came up and laid hands on them. Then the next day, they always had testimony before the revival. And one of the persons came and said that they had, I forgot the condition, but they no longer, I think it was a headache. They no longer had the headache. And so the second night, there might have been 20 persons, and so maybe uh, seven or eight came up and laid hands on next night for testimonies, about four or five shared how God had healed them. And the final night, it kind of got word around, maybe about 40 people showed up, maybe about 25 came up to the altar to be healed. And later, the pastor was sharing how persons had claimed their claimed their healing. And so it, it kind of gave me a confidence when Reverend Dr. Floyd H. Flake at Allen Amy Church in Jamaica, New York, invited me to do their youth revival. And to this day, that was in 1983, to this day, I don't think I've been a part of a more blessed and spirit-filled revival uh, than that week there in uh, Jamaica Plains, uh, Jamaica, New York. And so by that time, it was a case by which at the revival, Coletta Harris Vaughn, Bishop Coletta Harris Vaughn, prophesied over Pastor Joanne and I. And she said, not knowing anything, that we had already been called by Bishop Adams to come to Ebenezer Amy Church in Fort Washington, Maryland. She said, Granger and Joanne, why do I see so many sheep around you? She said, I see so many sheep that I no longer see you. And so I had to tell Pastor Flake that uh, he wanted me to just be his youth pastor, that I, I was already asked by uh, a bishop to go to a, a certain church. I wasn't able to do that. And so when we came to Ebenezer, the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the evidence of speaking in tongues is that sometimes God reveals to you in the speaking in tongues what it is that he's getting ready to do. So when I'm speaking right now, I'm speaking English. So even though I'm speaking it almost naturally, I am processing what it is I'm saying to some degree. But when you speak in tongues, you don't know what it is you're saying. And the only way you can have a sense of what it is that God is saying to you is that he will reveal it. So sometimes you might speak very short. And it will be a very long interpretation. So the length of how long you speak in tongues does not necessarily determine how long the interpretation will be. On the other hand, you might speak a long time in tongues, and it's a case where the interpretation may be very short. And so the speaking in tongues can be private for your own edification, where you are speaking and praying uh, just to yourself where the edification or the understanding is just for you. Or the Holy Spirit may release you in a worship experience where you speak in tongues out loud for the congregation to hear. But the role of the worship leader is to make sure that it's always done in decency and order. So if many persons are speaking in tongues and the worship leader pastor has not allowed everyone to do that at the same time, the pastor or worship leader needs to then allow the Holy Spirit to determine who it is that needs to be speaking. And the person who's speaking needs to be led by the Holy Spirit to know that there will also be interpretation or else it's not done in spiritual order. And I think some of you may have been to churches where everybody was speaking, everybody was interpreting. And Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, how that's out of order. 
And so the speaking in tongues becomes very important, especially for personal edification, because when you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit gives you kind of a, a glimpse of what it is he's getting ready to do and reveals it to you at that time. And so before we got to Ebenezer uh, and speaking in tongues, we prayed for three things. Number one was that the church would be open to team ministry. Because at that time in the second district, only Bishop, now Bishop uh, John R. Bryant and Reverend Dr. Cecilia Williams Bryant, that was the only team ministry, the persons that had even heard of pretty much in the whole denomination. So for a small church like Ebenezer to embrace a team ministry was a little tricky. The second thing was that we wanted the physical building of the church to be conducive to creative ministry. And so we were blessed. It was more than just a sanctuary and a fellowship hall. It had about seven or eight classrooms where ministry could be done. And so we were blessed. And finally, we wanted to have a church that might be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And because Ebenezer was just 17 members, and I thank the Lord for the, pretty much the Clay family was half of those 17, uh, they were open to it because basically it was a church that had moved from Georgetown uh, to Fort Washington, Maryland with 17 members, a monthly note of $3,500. And, and so it was basically any way you want to bless us, Lord, that's all right. And so with that, um, all these things were brought to the church, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit were introduced. And one of the things I want to share, because a lot of persons will ask how that was initially done, it was initially done through Bible study. And it was done when a person had a physical or healing need. So the father of the church, Brother Robert Bell, at one of the Bible studies, and at this time we maybe had five or six people coming to Bible study, um, it was a case he said he was getting ready to have an operation. So that's when I began to uh, give a short uh, uh, teaching on the gifts, gifts of healing. And because Brother Bell needed a healing, he was open to anything. Again, whatever you want to do, Lord, it's, it's all right with me. And so we laid hands on uh, Father Bell, and, and he fell back. And we had testimonies before service at that time, and uh, Father Bell would speak, he, had, he would uh, have chewing tobacco. <laughs> and so he'd be speaking with the chewing tobacco and say, I don't know what this young man got, but all I know is I went to the doctor on one day, and I didn't have to get the operation on the next day. And, and so the people heard it. And so Bible study then increased and to about 25. We had to move to the fellowship hall and eventually the main sanctuary got full and eventually we had to move Bible study to Friendly High School. But it was a case by which most of anything we were introducing to the church was done as Bible study. Bible study was kind of like you might say practice, uh, spiritual practice, while uh, Sunday morning was more like the real game. And so I, I share that so that that is where it's a place by which persons can hear what it is God's doing to you and through you. But oftentimes, if you're just teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and there's no evidence of it, it, the power comes when the evidence of what you're teaching is demonstrated. And so that's why I've asked some persons from my official board to be here on this evening, believing that the power of the Holy Spirit would come. But also, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit also have an impact on church growth. 
Uh, I've been amazed the number of pastors that went to Howard Divinity School. And all of us who went to Howard Divinity School, we are steeped in and grounded in liberation theology as well as social justice. So everyone who's gone through Howard, especially during the 1980s, that's what we were grounded in. But the difference between those whose churches grew oftentimes had to do, deal with those who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit through the evidence of speaking in tongues and were exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so with that, I, I share that church growth can be connected. And especially when you combine uh, the power that the AME Church has because our theological foundation is grounded in social justice and liberation theology. But we have very little theological undergirding or theological history on the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So with that, we oftentimes have to go to the Pentecostal church because that is where they are grounded. And now the Pentecostal church in many ways has to come to the AME church because with all the social justice issues that are confronting us, they need to hear how we are theologically grounded in that area. And when the Pentecostals get a sense that an AME has been baptized by the Holy Spirit through the evidence in speaking in tongues, it's just like an AME having a Muslim to join the congregation. I mean, we get all, yeah, praise the Lord, praise, he was, used to be a Muslim in the nation of Islam, but we give the Lord's name to praise, now he is saved by the power of the Holy Ghost, and now he's a member of our AME church. Well, Pentecostals feel the same way about AMEs, so if an AME preaches or comes to the church, we praise the Lord, we got this Methodist, and this Methodist now has been baptized in the Holy Ghost and operating again. So they are excited about us trying to learn from them as we would be excited about a Muslim joining us. And with that, they, they're able to pour into us, give us understanding of what all this means. Because once it happened uh, to Pastor Joe and I, we really did not have anyone to turn to. And in many ways, we were condemned and criticized. It was called the peanut butter and jelly uh, ministry, the peanut butter and jelly theology, and the people would laugh and say, uh, just say peanut butter and jelly real fast, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter. and you know, obviously the church would holler and laugh and, and make fun, but it was a case by which persons oftentimes dealt with us as if what God was doing was almost, uh, it, it, much like I was when I first received, I didn't believe it, had no reference about it, but once it hits you, once you find out for yourself, then it takes on a whole nother significance. And, and so with that, it is a case by which you do have to realize that church growth can come from it. And you may, especially on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, have to be able to hear from and learn from persons who may not be of our theological understanding, but they do have a theological understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the, of the Holy Spirit. And also, church growth becomes important because one of the powers of the, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that it allows you to prayerfully be more focused on prayer, reading scripture, and fasting. Prayer, reading scripture, and fasting. I think all of us uh, know the power of prayer regardless of what denomination or what you have been raised in. But fasting, 
Uh, there's a power that comes in fasting. The, the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't they deliver a man that was possessed by a demon? And, and Jesus had to tell them some of this power comes from only prayer and fasting. And I thank God for the tradition of St. Paul Amy Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where we would literally fast 40 days or 46 days during the Lenten season. And I know today there's Daniel fast and fast where you fast from 12 uh, 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 noon to 12 at night or 6 in the morning. But no, this was a 46-day fast where we ate, I mean, we drank only liquids. And the power that came in the church, the power that you were also able to develop, develop was phenomenal. And so the power of fasting becomes so important, especially if you're going through something. And I'm speaking about personally now. Church growth begins not just with the church, but it begins with the pastor. Uh, during the Super Bowl, you might have heard when they were building the Los Angeles Rams Stadium, they had to dig 100 feet down because the building, the $4 billion stadium, was so big they had to build down before they built up. For us as pastors, the same thing is true, that God will first have you grow down before you grow up. And it's a case by which God is laying a foundation. And that foundation oftentimes is not always seen because we're dealing with a foundation that's primarily to build you up so that you can then build the church up. And building the church up starts with a, a, a disciplined prayer life, a disciplined fasting life, and finally a disciplined reading the word of God. Because one of the things that begins to happen when we become pastors is that we be, read the word of God only to get sermons. And, and we really have to go back to when we were lay persons, when we read the word of God for our own spiritual edification. And so every time we read the word, we should not be always reading it just to get a sermon. Sometimes we should be reading it just so that it impacts and empowers us. And the Bible says we are to meditate. And so sometimes in the reading, we're not trying to read a whole lot. Um, this is for our own edification. So you may spend 30 minutes reading, but it's a case by which you only reading two verses. And so by reading those two verses, you are meditating. And when you speak in tongues and read the word of God, it becomes like a supercharge, a, a turbocharge by which the word of God comes alive because you begin to visualize yourself in the word. So when Jesus comes to the uh, Jordan River, you're actually visualizing Jesus coming. You're actually visualizing John the Baptist. You're actually visualizing him coming out of the water. You're actually visualizing the dove coming down. It, it allows for the word of God to get into your heart, soul, and mind in a way that is a little bit different than just reading a chapter a day. Uh, we are meditating on the word of God so that one verse, two verse, three verses really become a major part of how it impacts us so that when we do preach on Sunday, it can impact others. And so with that, uh, it was a case by which with the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying, fasting, and reading God's word, uh, when we first came to Ebenezer, I thank the Lord for Bishop John Bryan and Reverend Cecilia Williams Bryan, but Bishop Bryan said, Granger, you have to do something that will excite the congregation spiritually. And he shared when he was at St. Paul how he had a fasting shut-in during Thanksgiving. So their first year there, they shut themselves in for Thanksgiving and spent the whole Thanksgiving 
from that Thursday to that Sunday fasting, the whole family. So out of the church, only four or five people joined them. But it was a case by which it caused the church to have buzz. We've never seen anything like this. We've never had a pastor do anything like this. So that was, that was important for them to experience. So when we first came to Ebenezer, it was a case by which we asked the congregation that we were going to buy a church bus. And we were going to buy it and pay it off in a year. And Ebenezer had raised $12,000 the year before, and we were believing God to raise $12,000 in three months to get the bus. So it was more than just buying a bus. It was a spiritual faith step. And so with that, when the congregation saw God eventually do what it was he said he was going to do, it helped build up the faith of the people of God. So many times, pastors, it is through our prayer, our fasting, and uh, reading the word of God, and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit that I believe that can come in an extra way through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that allows us to get visions of what God would have us to do. Shortly after that, God gave us a vision in 1984 that our theme for Ebenezer was Jesus Christ for President, Lord, and Savior. We had a big wooden sign in front of the church, and we were believing that a thousand souls would come to Ebenezer in 1984. People thought we were crazy, and so we started the campaign as if Jesus was a political candidate, a presidential candidate, and we were uh, having the campaign as if uh, he would, there would be uh, block captains and uh, persons in each part of the city that were responsible for bringing persons to the church. And in the middle of the campaign, God had Reverend Jesse Jackson to come and be at Ebenezer. This was when in 1984, it was like he was God. And, and, and literally, uh, 5,000 persons tried to get into our 500-seat sanctuary. And Channel 4, 5, uh, 7, and 9 covered it live. And right after that, we were full. Two weeks later, we had to move to a second service. So sometimes persons ask, how was it done? All we can say is God did it. It, it wasn't something that we had planned so many things. It was just God giving the initial vision and then God doing exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you ever could think or imagine. And, and so church growth comes by this grounding ourselves in prayer, grounding ourselves in fasting, grounding ourselves in the word of God. And, and it's amazing what God is then able to do. And one of the things that God does in the process of our own spiritual growth and in the process of, of uh, church growth is moving to the idea that we can start operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so as we come to a conclusion, if you move to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning at that first verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, you'll see this in the Living Bible. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Holy Spirit who's the source of them all. So at least nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, they all have nine there are nine gifts, but it's from the same Holy Spirit. And persons are blessed by God to be able to claim one of those gifts of the Holy Spirit so that they can be used by God to advance his kingdom. And then it goes on to say there are different kinds of services in the church, but it's the same Lord who we are serving. So in the church, there are ushers, choir members, all kinds of, and those are gifts, and within those gifts of serving, the gifts of the Holy Spirit can also be used for the edification of the church. 
And then in verse number six, there are different ways by God works in our lives, but it's the same God who does the work through us all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means to helping or edifying the church. These gifts are not for us to brag about individually. To God be the glory for the great things he's done. When God uses you to heal, when God uses your word of wisdom, your word of knowledge, it ain't you. It's God using you to his glory. If it was us, we would just stand outside of the local hospital and every time the ambulance pulled up in the name of Jesus, in the name, and we would put hospitals out of business. So, so it's not us, it's God using us so that he would get the honor, he would get the glory, and so there has to be a sense of humility. When God is using you in this way, it's not being puffed up. It's like a football player when they get into the end zone and they don't, don't, Dance, they don't, they first get on one knee and say, the only reason I get to this end zone is because God got me here. The only reason I'm being used by God to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is because God allowed me to be able to do this. And so today, we want to thank the Lord for the gift of the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is just what it says. It is a gift of a word of wisdom. It is not all wisdom. Only God, uh, Jesus Christ, has all wisdom. But he will give an individual a word, a piece of wisdom, a, a slice of wisdom to share with somebody to help them in their sojourn or in their Christian journey. The same thing is a gift of the word of knowledge. God will supernaturally reveal to an individual not all knowledge, but a word of knowledge, a slice of knowledge. So by sharing it with that person, that person has a sense that God is either affirming something that they already knew or believed or was praying for or hoping for, or God gives them a new revelation by which they can take and go further and deeper than they've ever been before. And the final gift that we want to lift up today is the gift of uh, healings. And the important thing is it's gifts of healing. It is not one gift. It, it is gifts and through the years, I've learned that God oftentimes allows you to be kind of a specialist. It's not that you, a person comes up for a healing. It's not, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't heal the arthritis in your knee. That's not my specialty. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's a case by which you will see over time that God has used you more uh, profoundly in certain areas of healing. And therefore, you become not only more confident, but you also see God bringing those persons to you. So on tonight, I just don't want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm praying that God will be exercising through me to his glory what the gifts, first of all, the gift of healing is like. And so again, we have about 30 persons from our official board who are here today. And I'm just going to ask, is anyone who's here today have a healing need? Is there anyone today that has a healing need? <laughs> Please forgive me. I need a mask uh, for someone. That I've, I got all caught up. <laughs> I forgot we're still in COVID. What is your healing need on today? Wow. So your hands, is there anything you can't do with your hands? I mean, show me, is there anything you can't do? So in terms of visibly looking at it, all right, it just hurts. It hurts right now? This one does. All right. 
All right. All right. Is there anything you can't do? Can you touch your toes? All right. Just go as far as you can tonight. Don't make it hurt. Just go as far as so Thank you so much. So that's as far as far as you can think of. That's as, that's as far as you can go? All right, that's fine. You believe the Lord's a healer tonight? Yes. Praise the Lord. Raise, please raise your hands. Amen. You said it's your back? Yes. Can I ask? Back, my neck. In the name of Jesus, we say thank you for the healing power of back and neck, and we say thank you. Which hand is it? Praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we want to say thank you for his healing power. And we stand on the Lord's name that by the stripes of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our sister is healed in Jesus' name. Is anyone else tonight that needs a healing in the name of Jesus? Please stay right here for a second. And uh, please stand near her. And I'm going to ask right now that you try and touch your toes in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to give the Lord's name the honor. The Can you do it again? Somebody ought to give the Lord's name the praise. And how's your hand feeling? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can somebody give the Lord's name the honor, the praise, and the glory? Or my sister, please come up. God has said during this pandemic, he has just wrapped you up. There have been things that should have gotten you. You, have, you should have lost it. But just as the scarf is wrapping you up, God has wrapped you up. And if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you know you don't know where you would be. And he wrapped you up especially in the area of your job. There were situations on your job where you did not know if the job was going to take place and whether or not you were going to have it week after, my goodness, even day after day sometimes. But God wants you to know the same way he kept you during these last two years is the same way that your future is going to be better and your past. So get ready to be wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, somebody ought to give the Lord's name the honor, the praise, and the glory. In the name of Jesus. Sweetheart, be so kind to come. Hallelujah. Pray. Uh, too late. Gift <laughs> to the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing so that persons will see that if you step out on faith, God will step with you. And as wonderful as these gifts are in Jesus' name, Corinthians, the 13th chapter says, you may have all of these gifts, but what good is it if you don't have love? You may be able to do extraordinary things, but what good is it if you don't have love? And one of the things I've learned from others, but also I heard it told at the beginning of my ministry, and that was you've got to love the people. As a pastor, even when they do things to you that's hurtful, you've got to love them. Because you've got to meet the people where they are to take them to where God would have them to go. Uh, I, it took me three years, four years to start tithing. And so, yes, I'm a tither now, but I have to meet the people where they are, not where I am, to take them to where God would have them to go. The other thing is that God has not called you to be successful but faithful I heard that all the time but he's called you to be both successful and faithful they're not contradictory and the word success does not have any kind of it does not have a number to it God wants you to be successful in his name but being successful he wants you to be faithful because if you're successful and not faithful what does it mean but God wants to combine the two and last but not least 
Make where you are where you want to be so you'll already be where you want to go. Make where you are where you want to be so you'll already be where you want to go. In other words, your focus is not on the church you want to get, but the church that you are. And I believe that if you have faith to believe that God has planted you where you are and that growth can take place, you can make where you are where you want to be so you'll already be where you want to go. Bishop Davis, thank you so much for the opportunity to minister, but always be remindful that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, absent liberation theology, uh, doesn't mean, and liberation theology without the power of the Holy Spirit, but when the two get together, good God Almighty, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, and you can't imagine what God is getting ready to do. God bless you, and thank you for the opportunity to come before the Second Episcopal District. Bishop Davis, we love you. Mother Davis, we love you. And thank you for everything and all that you mean to us. God bless you tonight.